Well, I want to um, ask a question this morning, and that question is a simple one. Who in the room doesn't like to wait? Okay, there's, wow, there's some real waiters in the room. They're like, Ur. yeah, I think, I think by human nature, we don't like to wait. We don't like to wait on our food. We don't, we don't like to, to wait at stoplights. We don't like to wait for people to do things for us. And um, how many husbands like to wait on your wives? Don't raise your hands. I mean, <laughs> so today, a lot of us pray a prayer that is a very difficult one. And that difficult prayer goes something like this. God, I really need you to do this for me and I need you to do it now. God, just respond and intervene in my life. And most of us, when we pray that prayer, here's what happens. We feel like it doesn't get answered. We feel like we find ourselves in time and time again asking and asking and asking God to answer that perplexing prayer, hoping that God will react and provide the answer that we need, the action that is needed to be taken on our behalf. And yet so often we find that the it that we seek isn't responded to. Now, I don't know what the it is in your life. Maybe the it is a broken relationship that needs to be restored. Maybe the it is economic um, uh, uh, abundance so that you can move forward in your life and, and not have problems with that. I don't know if the it in your life is health concerns, but we all have an it. And that it hits us and makes us beg that question that we ask God all the time. So how many of us have found ourselves in that time where we say, God, why didn't you respond? How come when I prayed to you, I didn't hear from you? And how come in those moments when I needed you the most, when I just knew that I knew that I knew that you would respond, that God, you didn't say a word. You didn't come close to it at all. We've prayed for it to come and it didn't. We've waited for it, we've waited for it, we've waited for it. And no matter how much that energy that we put into it, it just seems like God gets quieter and quieter and quieter and more silent and more silent and more silent. I've talked to people who uh, have been praying to get pregnant and, and years into that prayer, they're still not pregnant. I've prayed, I've, I've prayed and talked with people who have prayed for a new job and they've said, you know, I've got some new vocational skills and I've got a new education and I've got this new zeal for life and I just wanna get that new opportunity so that I can break free and, and accomplish the goals that I know that God has planned for me. And you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed for that opportunity to come and it doesn't. For a lot of times we say these prayers, we find ourselves waiting on God. We pray for miracles in our marriages. We pray for miracles with our children. We pray and pray and pray and pray. And so often we continue to find out that no matter how hard we pray, we feel like we're all alone. That God is out there, but for whatever reason, he's choosing not to respond to our prayer. So that's kind of the dilemma this morning. That's where I'm gonna leave it in our lap as we begin. And I wanna give you a truth to build upon in a foundation. If that's where you're feeling today or if that's the feelings that you've had in life, here's, here's a truth I want you to bank on. And that is that with God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. Say that with me. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. In John chapter 11, we find a, a really powerful story. It's a story about three people. It's about two sisters and their brother, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And we find that, in this, uh, that there's a, an interesting dilemma that is happening, but also there is an interesting relationship between Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and Jesus. Luke tells us in his gospel that Jesus came by and had a meal at Mary and Martha's house. That's that story where, where so often we have found ourselves that, that Martha is clanging and banging the, the pots and pans around in the kitchen trying to get the meal ready, and she's just 
uh, ticked off that her sister Mary is not doing anything to help, but Mary just wants to sit at the feet of Jesus. Luke tells us that Mary's personality is very worshipful, that Mary is quiet, that Mary is the one that was washing Jesus's feet with her hair, and Martha is the one that is, is overzealous, overpowerful, impatient, uh, one that just uh, wants to take the world in her own hands and, and just drives it and drives it and drives it, and when things don't work out the way that she's asked it to, she's not happy at all in that relationship. But we find out in this story that, that if anybody should have been close to Jesus, it was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Like I said, Jesus ate there. He knew them. They were friends. He prayed with them. He broke bread. He spent hospitality. And he moved into their lives in a, in a great uh, instance. We find also in the story that Lazarus becomes ill. We don't know what the illness is. But what we do know is that it's an illness that is powerful enough that they cry out to Jesus, that they want him to come back to Bethany and to come and to heal their brother of the ailment, of the affliction of which is going through his life. We find out that they call, they cry out, they send messengers, please come, please come, please come. And Jesus doesn't show up. And it begs the question, even from Mary and Martha, where's God? Where is he when we're in need? So here's what the story tells us, a little bit more from John's perspective in John 11, chapter one. A man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. The sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. Now, this is, uh, this is really important because the words, the Lord, the one you love is sick. Notice they didn't say Lazarus is sick. This guy that lives with us, our brother, Lord, the one you love. So this generates intimacy that Jesus has with this family. So certainly, if Jesus is intimate with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, if they're family, if they're friends, if their relationship goes deep, certainly as they call upon him, Lord, we need you to come. We need you to heal our brother. We know that you'll be here. We just know this is going to happen. We trust it. We, we own it. We say it. We claim it. We do all these things. And yet at the end of that first day, when they're pleased go out, Jesus is a no-show. Mary and Martha, I imagine them waking up the second day. And they find themselves at that spot where, where all of a sudden, again, they're perplexed by what's happening. And they begin that, that process of crying out, well, certainly today, yeah, maybe word didn't get to him yesterday on time, but today, we know it. We know he's going to be here. We claim it. We name it. We believe. And day two, the end, Jesus doesn't show. By the time day three comes, they're really upset. Jesus is nowhere to be seen. Nowhere to be found. The one who claimed to come and to provide healing for them, the one that loved them, the one that was dear to their family, in their greatest time of need, they're praying, they're calling, they're inviting, they're conjoling, they're doing everything, and yet God does not respond. It's kind of real, isn't it? In fact, it's not just kind of real, it is real. It, it's one of those things where if I were to say, how many of you have been in that situation and you raised your hands, I would bet that the room would almost be full with hands being raised, that we find ourselves in that. We cry out for God. We send our prayer requests. We remind God how faithful we are. We remind God that we're serving him. We remind God that most Sundays we're in church. We remind God, I, I give, I do all these things. God, Lord, I do all these things. Why can't you just do this one thing for me? And we go through the litany of over and over and over again. Fair feelings for sure. But remember, with God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. For those of you who are praying right now for something to happen in your life, that situation when your prayer remains silent to the ears of God, let, 
Let me give you a couple of things to remember today. Let me give you some more foundational pieces so that you truly believe that this is not a wasted season for you, but it's a season where God is doing something. And here's the first one. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. Just because God hasn't answered your prayer exactly the way that you've asked it, you know the prayer I'm talking about, the ones we even write out so that we can most perfectly say the words exactly, God, I wrote this out, it's in proper English, the grammar's correct, the sentence structure is that, it's got the thesis, it's got the subject, it's got you know, the middle parts, it's got a proper ending. God, I just wanna make sure you understand exactly what this is that I'm praying about. And we lift that out there but just because God isn't answering the prayer in the time that you've asked doesn't mean that God doesn't hear it. Doesn't mean that God doesn't care. He does. We see in, in John eleven four 4, when, when he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. So word has come to him. This sickness of Lazarus, he said, will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, these are some important things. Paul does the same thing. And whenever we see Jesus talking about the four and that's, for this to happen, that, this can come. We know that we really need to listen for and that. And we begin to see how God is working in the midst of those statements. Jesus says profound, it's for so that. I know what's going on, Jesus says. I know this is critical. I know that you're calling for me. I know that you want me. Yes, Lazarus is the one that I love. Yes, we're friends. Yes, we're family. I know the agony that you're going through. I know you didn't ask this to come into your life. I get it. I understand. I know. But... As this is going to happen in your life, remember that I will be glorified through it. If we look at our life situations that way, whatever it is you're going through, he says, whatever the trouble is, whatever has been brought upon you, wherever, whenever, whatever you're going through, whatever you're praying about, Jesus says, with this going on in you, because it's going on in you, I will be glorified. Now, let's make sure that you heard what I just said. I didn't say that, that God brings harm upon you. I didn't say that, that God wills evil into your life. I didn't say that God just wants to trip you up with snares and traps along the journey of life. What I said was when things happen to us, that out of our pain and out of the perplexing issues that come, out of the derailment, when the wheels come off the bus, so to speak, of our life, that somehow through even the deepest, darkest situations that happen in our life, God will be glorified through it because he will reveal himself in a powerful way. Why? Because God wants to do something in you and not just for you. He wants to transform us. He wants to do something in us, not just give us something. Time and time again, I really feel like we fall prey to our own expectations. We get to that place where we see God as some celestial vending machine. God, I need this, just transact it so that I can have that. It's almost like when, we, when we're raising kids. If you've raised children, I've raised children. If you've raised children and you look at them and we're teaching these lessons even to our grandchildren today, I want you to have something. I want this to happen in your life. But before it comes to you, before I give it to you, before it happens, I want you to learn something. Are you following me? We want our kids to have something great, but sometimes they have to learn a lesson before that can happen. It's the same way that God coaches with us. What God has done in us versus what he's done for us. 
And this morning, it's important for us to think about that in this context. What are the things that God has done in you rather than for you? What God is doing is he's teaching you to depend upon him. He's teaching you to trust him. He's teaching you to walk with him by faith, not by sight. He's asking you to buy into that sometimes life just isn't going to give you what you want. But even in the darkest circumstances, Jesus Christ will be glorified through it because God will always be there and he will help you through. On a personal level, we need to recognize that that the scripture is true where it says that God is for us, not against us. That the plans that the Lord has for us are to prosper us, not to harm us, because God wants to do something in us before he does something for us. That transformation that is to occur. We sometimes experience those divine delays so that we can learn something in the circumstance of which our life is going. Mary and Martha were worn out. They, they had pleaded constantly, incessant calls to Jesus. Lord, come, Lord, come. We need you to come. You have to come. We need you to answer our requests. We know that you're there. We know that you're healing people. Lord, we even know you're healing Romans, non-believers. Come to us. Lord, we love you. We know you love us. And Jesus doesn't show. And time and time goes by. And time and time continues to roll. And that plea and that, that, that call for the Lord to come day after day after day. And then all of a sudden the day comes and Lazarus takes his final breath. He's dead. And the prayer, according to Mary and Martha, has not been answered. Lord, if you would only come, our brother would not have died. You see, we find ourselves in that same situation. What do you and I do? What do you do? What do I do? What do we do when God seems late? When what we have prayed for and agonized over and desired isn't happening? Well, the story tells us that eventually Jesus arrives. He comes. He finds himself there. He's extremely late. He's no longer needed. And it's at that point where he just shows up. Lazarus has been uh, shrouded in in linen cloths and, and he has had the burial spices put on him. He has been put inside of a tomb. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up on day four and Mary and Martha can't believe it that now finally he comes. And we pick up. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been been in the tomb four days. Four days. The number four, and this is really significant, what happens to the body after four days, after it's dead? Starts decaying, doesn't it? In the ancient world, they didn't use embalming. The Egyptians did, but others, others didn't practice that. We practice embalming today. Embalming preserves the body, but in those days, the bodies were not preserved. And and, and part of the teaching of ancient civilization was that after one died for three days, the spirit of that individual would circle the body, waiting for that opportunity to enter back in so that they could come back to life. But when day four came, they taught that the spirit was gone. It had left, that it was impossible for a dead person to come back alive on day four. Mary and Martha are saying, Jesus, you failed us. You didn't come when we asked. What are we going to do now? Now you choose to show up. Some of us in the room know exactly how that feels. You've been praying for something. You've been praying for your body to be healed, and it's not. 
You've been praying for relationships to reconnect, but they still haven't. Your heart longs in prayer for your children and your family members as strife and difficulties come. And all you want is God to come and intervene and pull it all together for you again so that everything can be back to normal. And yet, it doesn't happen. Lord, you could have done it. Lord, you've done it for everyone else. Why can't you do it for me? Do these prayers sound a little bit like what might come from us? Mary and Martha are feeling distraught. Verse 20 says, Martha heard that Jesus was coming, so she went out to meet him. Now, folks, that is not a good thing for Jesus because here Martha is angry, she's upset, she feels let down, insult to injury, abandonment, all of those feelings going through her mind, angry that the Lord did not respond, that her brother who should have lived is now dead. And she runs out to meet Jesus. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. You showed up at dinner, my paraphrase. You came into our home. You ate our groceries. You laughed at our jokes. We told stories. We prayed together. We even drank wine. You showed up on time for all that, but in our greatest need, you were nowhere to be found. And we find ourselves there. When Martha came out after Jesus, to meet him, what it says to me is she met him on the road to give him a piece of her mind. Where were you? Why weren't you here? You could have, you should have, but you didn't. And all of a sudden she is shouting at the Lord. And folks, this is real life. And I love the way that John is transparent in his writings for us because it reminds us that we too sometimes find ourselves shaking our fingers at the Lord, crying out in anguish, Angry to the point that we're ready to just get it done, but Lord, where are you? And we find ourselves in the same way. Verse 21, Lord, where are you? My brother would have lived if you'd only come. Verse 22, Jesus says, your brother will rise again. No hope to hope. There are situations that you're not happy with and you say, Lord, where were you when I needed you? And you go through the pain and the exhaustion of that, but something comes over you. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit that teaches you that in the midst of that, it changes the way that you think. And you say, I don't understand, but Lord, I trust. And I know somehow, Lord, you'll figure this out for me. That's where some of us find ourselves today. We're waiting on something and it's just not happening. We're seeking miracles, but they're just not coming. And we respond and say, God, you're not meeting my expectations. I love you. I worship you. I pray to you. I believe in you. But God, this is my expectation, and you're not meeting it. Why, why, why? Here's another thing that we need to learn today. If God always met our expectations, he would never have the opportunity to exceed them. If God met our expectations, he would never have the opportunity to exceed them. In, in our scripture this morning, it's, it's all over. There's no hope. Lazarus is dead. He's in the tomb. And Jesus looks at Martha and says, Martha, your brother will rise again. Just before there's no hope, then Jesus speaks, which reminds us that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, all things are possible. 
that with Jesus anything can come. And he says, I know that he'll rise again at the, on the last resurrection, Martha says. And Jesus says, wait a minute, Martha. I have a different angle on this. You're not gonna have to wait until that day. I'm doing something different. You wanted me to make your sick brother's flu go away, but I decided that's not good enough. But Martha, God, I am working a great work. And instead of just curing your brother's flu, he is now dead. I am going to resurrect him. And something great will happen. Martha's expectation in Mary's was cure him of the flu. Jesus says, I'm going to resurrect him. And it's the powerful thing that we see. God exceeds our expectations. And that's the part that we have to hold on to. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and I am the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Martha, Mary, do you believe this? Jesus is saying that the resurrection is not an event. And you and I have got to get this straight in our mind. We do not live life for the day of resurrection. We live life for the one who brings resurrection. We don't live for something. We live for some person, someone. I, I am the resurrection. Jesus Christ, God. And that's the piece that we've got to get straight in our life as we struggle with all the things that are happening around us. Mary and Martha expected a healing that their brother's flu would go away. And Jesus said, I've got something else planned. I'm bringing resurrection. What they wanted was good, but what God had planned was better. Some of you have been looking for a new job and you've interviewed for a job and you thought, that's the one. And you hoped like anything that you'd get a call that'd be offered to you. But for whatever reason, the call came. You were devastated, you were disappointed. I didn't get the job that I thought I really wanted. I knew I had it, I wanted that. And another job comes along a couple of months later. And you take that one and you're doing great in it and you love it. And then all of a sudden you, you read in the paper that the company that you originally interviewed for, they're starting to cut back because they're having some challenges. The Holy Spirit, God's timing. God bringing good. We find ourselves in all sorts of dilemmas. You want the love in your life and you think that, that he or she is it and you're dating and you're getting that point of making that commitment and if for whatever reason that, that relationship ends and you're heartbroken, you're devastated and a year later someone else comes into your life and you know this is the person. God answers prayers but God also exceeds our expectations. When Jesus had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes. Let Lazarus go. God's delays are not necessarily his denials. If you're in a waiting season for God, take time first to let God do something in you rather than always asking him to do something for you. God, don't limit God to your expectations, but allow him to exceed them. And just because whatever you're praying for hasn't been given to you yet, just because you haven't seen it, just because God hasn't delivered it, doesn't mean that God's not gonna bring it. So what do you do when God seems late? You gotta trust. You gotta trust in the midst of the things that you can't understand. That trust will happen, that no matter what, Jesus Christ will be glorified.